All right, guys, we're talking CBD. There's a ton of different CBD brands out on the market, and I've personally tried a lot of them. But I finally found one that I love. I finally found products that I love, and that is Beam. Beam is a Boston-based CBD company, Go Red Sox, that's been making waves in the health and wellness industry by offering products that combine THC-free CBD, THC-free CBD, and other high-quality ingredients. That is a tongue twister. But a side note that's not on the ad read. THC-free means if you have a drug test coming up, if you're looking for a new job, if you're a member of the military, if you're a professional athlete, you won't be testing hot. That's great. You won't be pissing hot in any drug tests. It was founded by two ex-professional athletes with the idea that everyone should have the chance to experience what better feels like. So whether you're stressed or sore, CBD is a key for recovering self-care. And I can personally attest to that. I've been tracking my vitals and my body data over the past few weeks, and it's amazing the days that I take Beam and I don't, my recovery is through the roof. My personal favorite product is Dream. It comes in a capsule or a powder, and it makes you have better, more restful sleep. And I'm not getting a lot of sleep these days. I mean, I have really good kids, and they're sleeping a good amount, but the sleep I am getting is better and more restful thanks to Beam. So get your products today with a special code to my listeners, the Golf and Stuff listeners. Visit t- beamtlc.com, B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com, and use the code BLAIR15 for 15% off any product. From the signature CBD oil to the soothing CBD salve, that's B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com with the promo, with the promo code BLAIR15 for 15% off your next order. All right, here we go. Alex Riggs back in the building. How are you doing, bro? Doing great, my friend. How are you? Good. How are things in Canada? They are great. Had a little bit of a rainstorm come through today, which is always nice. The Dubai native is always happy with a rainstorm. Yeah. Now I can imagine. I can imagine. So we're here to talk. There's a lot to go on to talk about from last weekend. PGA Championship. We'll wrap it up, and we'll talk about the Wyndham here in my home state. It's being played in Greensboro, North Carolina. I have a good hunch of who's going to win it. Um, my guy JT okay. last year, so um, yes, yeah, I'm hyped. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week of golf. Um, the Wyndham's fun. It's a, a that course up there. It's at um, Sedgefield, and Sedgefield yes. is owned by the ownership group that owns the course I play here in Port in Wilmington Porter's Net Country Club all the time. Okay, so. I'm going to go up there and play here shortly. Pretty hyped. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff. Is the course that you play also a Donald Ross design? No, ours is a Fazio. Ah, uh, I mean, yeah, both like two of the best designers in the world, so that's great. Yeah, our actually our city municipal course is a Donald Ross though. Amazing. He's one of my favorite. Like him and Fazio, those are my two guys for courses that I can always trust. Yeah, me too. I love um, a Fazio. And there's a course, there's a, a group of courses here in Wilmington called Landfall Country Club. It's a private course. Yeah. And they have a Die and a Nicholas. And then we have a Fazio here, Porter's Neck, Eagle Point, where they played the Wells Fargo is a Fazio. And then the municipal course is a, is a Ross. So Man. we have a Spoiled lot of for choice here. That's good. Yeah. We don't, we don't typically have those luxuries up here. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, and then you have Myrtle beach, which is like right down the road. And there's tons of golf to play down there too. Like everything. If you want to play like a designer course, like 
there's Fazio, there's Nicholas, there's Die, there's everything. There's a TPC, whatever you want to play, you get into it down there. So, yeah, I can see why people do golf vacations over there. That makes perfect sense. It's a good spot to do golf vacations, especially now during COVID. You can get a tee time pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah, I bet. So enough about that. Let's talk about the PGA Championship. Is the first major of the year. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. I got into an argument with my buddy Andrew on Twitter, um, and he was hating on Brooks for Brooks's uh, – shots at people but dude i love yes. love that brooks is taking shots at people i love that he's like trying to build like pull some freaking personality out of these guys yeah I, I mean i don't necessarily love that idea of of sort of talking other players might not be up to the standard or whatever the case is but i think it's great for the game i think oh, it's yeah. great that we have guys kind of building some of that energy that animosity similar to what we'd get in other sports you know i absolutely felt that he got dosed a little bit of karma um i love sure. rory's rebuttals i it's it's just i mean having this kind of excitement leading into the playoffs now it's going to be a fun year yeah and that's one of the things that in years past like we haven't like the playoffs hadn't really been like exciting right it's yes, been for sure been freaking web simpson that wins it web simpson's a great guy he plays eagle point all the time he's a north carolina guy but like we said the last week with Brendan Todd, like it, they just don't get you going. They don't have that like sex appeal. They don't, it's just like Brooks talking smack, Rory talking smack back at Brooks. Like Phil Mickelson's out here tweeting a Faldo and then deleting it. Did you, did, wait, did you see that? Which Phil, one? Phil Mickelson tweeting a Faldo. When he said that if he shortened his swing, he'd swing it like him? No, he said that. Um, He said that. He, uh, he said, at Sir Nick Faldo, I would like to be referred to as Sir Phil Mickelson. I bought a knighthood <laughs> on, online for three easy payments of 1999. Oh, Phil. I, you know what? As much as I love Phil in the game, I cannot wait until they strap a headset on him and get him commentating because he is oh so goodness. good at it. He's, he's one of the best. And, and he doesn't even do it like it's not his thing. He just – is himself and he talks and just he's just such a natural yeah he's yeah. such a natural salesman at anything i was telling somebody i don't remember who it was but i was like back in might have been us talking last week like 10 years ago it was tiger and phil and that's who and that's the rivalry before that it was sevy and greg norman and before that it was jack arnie and uh, gary player and there's always been these rivalries but there's never been anybody that's like gonna be like kobe we're going to be like freaking somebody in basketball that's going to beat you and talk smack while they're doing it. And yes, like, I'm not that kind of athlete. I'm not that kind of player. Like I can't talk smack and, and back it up and win. I start talking smack and immediately start playing worse. So, right. Right. But I, I respect it and I love it. My father-in-law on the other hand, he will like, when you start talking smack to him, he'll bring it back at you. And then his game goes to another level I haven't seen. And I love that in professional golf. Well, and you're, you're absolutely going to get guys like that that might take some of those comments to heart and that just fuels their drive. And, you know, Brooks will have to deal with that. But I, I think that having guys like that in the mix that are kind of week to week, he's, Brooks has kind of got his own stuff alongside with, with what Bryson's got going on. Like they're always adding more stories to the news. And I mean, 
we like talking about it. I think that everybody in the golf media likes talking about it. So it's probably not the worst thing for the game. Yeah. So you mentioned Bryson. Let's bring him up quickly. Like, dude, I was skeptical when he put on 35 pounds, like, and and he's saying he wants to get to 270, right? So on on top of him wanting to live to 140, on top of him (laughs) wanting to hit it 400 yards off the tee, like consistently and straight, he wants to get up to 270 pounds. That is, I can't even fathom that. Well, that's, that's an interesting feat. I mean, his body, I don't even know what he started at, but I would have thought around two. He and, he and I are the same. He started guy. at 190? Yeah, so he and I, are, I'm like six foot 195, and he's roughly, like, he's right there with me. Okay. Yeah, that's a transformation. I mean, that's not just a new closet, but like a new body altogether. So maybe the motivation is just purely with distance and then having the the skeleton, the structure to be able to support that and have it not create injury. Maybe that's the logic behind it. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Like I understand it from a power output stamp. Like if you're, if your sole goal was to create more power, it's of benefit to be bigger, you know, and that, that kind of works across any sport domain. If, if we just want to be able to produce more power, it helps to have more size, but I don't know, man, that's, that's a questionable call. I am not sure either, but I look at Bryson and I don't know if you played like Nintendo golf back in the day, but I did. Bryson is basically Bowser. Like you look at, I'll put a side by side or I'll put a picture of my Instagram with this, like, with this like overlaid, overlaid top, over top laded, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'll put the audio yeah. with the picture, but Bryson is Bowser. Like standing over a putt, this dude looks ridiculous. And even like, his whole situation looks ridiculous, but I, I, I got to get behind it. Like, and I got to support it because he's proven everybody wrong. Nope. Everybody was like, this is stupid. Bryce is not going to do it. Like he can't compete. He can't put on 35 or 40 pounds and, and consistently do this. But he, dude, he's been in the top 10 every time he's played. It's ridiculous. Except for like making this in one cut. Well, that's the thing is that you, you typically would always assume that you add that much club head speed and you're going to spray it off the map, especially with the driver specs that he's got. But his accuracy has been reasonably good. Yeah. And, you know, this, this was a week where those fairways were insanely tight. That rough was so tall. And, you know, I, we haven't got into Morikawa yet, but to be able to hit seven, eight, nine fairways at a course like that was a real challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the fairways look tight. I've never I've never been to TPC Harden Park, never even played it. Never been there, nor played it, so I don't know. But it looked tight. It looked like if you sprayed it, you're you're dead. And he hit it relatively straight, hit majority of fairways or hit a lot of fairways. And his putting was what was the game changer for him this week. I feel like because he I think he led the field or was close to the top in putting strokes gained or strokes gained putting right. Yeah, well, Bryson's a phenomenal putter. Like he may he may have been streaky in the past, but I really would say that he he typically should be of one of the better putters in the field. Yeah, he rolls a great. Like he, you look at his his fundamentals, and his fundamentals might look unorthodox, but there's just not a lot of variables that can go wrong with that kind of a stroke. I'm still kind of up in the air because he's kind of got that left arm lock. I mean, we it's technically entering, but we're not going to. Yeah, say right. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like. It, it certainly takes away variables and whether that's 
whether that's kind of going into the gray area of the rules or not, it's still allowed. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. he, he seems to roll the ball really well. And he seems to have a very distinct process with how he reads screens and how he calculates his distances. So I think he's always going to be a good putter. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I was excited. We'll get into more Cal in a second, but I was also excited to see previous guests on the golf Stuff podcast, Justin Rose up on the leaderboard this week after having a, uh, a rough go at it a couple weeks back. Last, I think the last tournament he played. The Memorial. Yeah. His putter was on fire this week. He, he was putting a lot better, which, you know, knowing like my connection with, with his previous coach, Sean Foley, um, I know a lot about Rosie and, and obviously truly one of the best ball strikers like we will ever see swings it. I'm sure a lot of people would use him as a model and he, he's been a streaky putter. He's, he's had times where he can really, really roll it well and times where that's kind of held him back. So it's good to see him roll the rock again. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited. I mean, for selfish personal reasons, I was hoping he was going to win so I could <laughs> pump up that podcast episode, but I mean, him finishing near the top was awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was good stuff, man. I was excited to see Rosie play well. And even more excited for Morikawa, Colin Morikawa, 23-year-old PGA yes. champion this year. I heard the stat that he's the youngest winner since Tiger. That youngest major winner? No, youngest winner of the PGA since Tiger. Of the PGA. Yeah, yeah that, that stat sounds right. That's that, I know that he – you keep seeing more and more comparisons to like him and Jack and it's, it's impressive stuff. The, the guy, as I've said, the guy's an absolute stud. He is so rock solid through the bag. And what impresses me with him is that like, I know people were saying this, he is truly, he look, he behaves like a 45 year old tour veteran. Yeah. And you know, you, you can kind of put him in that situation where like, I had even said to you, I think he might have had a few holes to play, and I was like, "It's it's his. He's got it in the bag." Yeah, you did. And to say that about like about a twenty-three-year-old, like you'd never say that. No, you know, you have you have a couple things. Again, I'll I'll say it: having no crowd there is a different situation. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, who knows? You know, it's. I I heard Rory. I think it was Rory that said it. Like in his post-round interview, it was like it brings a different element to it. You know, typically majors, you have the crowds that are different. They're bigger. They're, they're louder than normal tournaments. And you get those, you get those jitters and he didn't have to deal with that this week. So I'm sure that helped him like not, I'm sure it helped him keep the train on the tracks, right? Like you get those jitters going in a major, you're going to fall off. It's hard. The hardest ones to win are your, second one I guess and so we'll see we'll see this major season and we'll see for the rest of his career if he can back it up and if he can win two and three and four majors like he has three yeah. two more coming up this year he's got the Masters and he's got the U.S. Open and you know the second one's the hardest one to win because you got to back up first yeah and I, I would never want to take anything away from Colin I really do think I mean I, I'd say he's probably going to be a, a six to eight major kind of guy he, he's going to win again out there yeah and I, I really do not think that the crowd would have faced him whatsoever just sort of understanding his psychology his ability to control his mindset he is an absolute stoic and you know I think that he is going to be truly one of the great players in the years to come yeah I think so too but I mean back to what you said you said he's a six to eight major kind of guy you would have said that about well I would have said that about Dustin Johnson like five or six years ago 
or that that season he was playing so well when he, he fell down the stairs at Augusta. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. 15, 2016. Yeah, I forget the year, but I I recall that vividly. Yeah, he was playing so good that year, and he that's the year I think he won the U.S. Open, or he won something like just before that, and. Um, you would have thought like Dustin would have been that guy too, that he wins six, seven, eight, nine majors. But like it, it, he just, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, the second one's the hardest to win at. I, it's what they say. I wouldn't know personally, mm -hmm. but um, <laughs> yeah. like, obviously I have no idea, but uh, I, they say the second one's the hardest to win. So we'll see. We'll see how he performs at Augusta. This will be his first trip to Augusta. I think we'll see how he performs at the U S open this year. And then in eight months time, we're going to be back at Augusta for the Masters in, in March or April. Yeah, it's crazy. There's, I think I saw seven, six or seven majors in the next 11 months. So it's, it's love that. definitely a fun year ahead. I love that. It's a lot of fun golf to watch in a very short amount of time. So congrats to Colin Morikawa. Hype for him. And I can't wait to see How about him. that drive on 16? You know, that's a, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that hole. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to forget that's a hole that, like, for most average golfers, you can get it. Like, for me, right? Like, I carry the ball, like, 280. Mm -hmm. I could get it there, but the fact that he did it on Sunday in a major and stuck it to, like, whatever, 15 feet, 10 feet, however, however close he had it, like, was insane. Like, just nerves. Just absolutely st stepped up and nutted it. Yeah. Well, I, I was chatting with a student the other day and they were listening to the live feed on the radio instead of watching it on TV. And they were saying that the announcers were kind of questioning his call when he was standing up there before the tee shot. It's like, you know, he's, he's got the lead right now. Why is he pulling driver on this short hole? He could just lay it up and, you know, make his, his life a lot easier. But it, it just shows his ability to stick to his game plan and his ability to trust his instinct. And man, th these guys have their game plans so harnessed in. They, they, they know the odds of certain lines that they take, they know whether it's wiser to take driver or to be able to take that three wood, they yep. have the game plan. And for him to be able to truly just sort of stick to it down the stretch, like, like obviously he looks like the genius when he pulls it off, but like, I really do think that that's all kind of the preparation of it. And man, like that was a fun shot to watch. Cause really as soon as it left the face and the, the shot tracers following it, you're going, man, this thing is perfect. Yeah. And it, it really did like not leave the flag. No, dude, I was, I was blown away. That's a shot most people would, like, that's a, a swing of a lifetime, really. Like, nobody, you hit that one, you're bragging about your buddies to that, for that one for years to come. Yeah, it was a separator, because if I'm not mistaken, was he tied with Casey at that point? I think he was, yeah, he was tied with Casey at that point, and that put him two up. Yeah, I mean, that really was the separator, and that's, you know, with as tight as that leaderboard was at that point, it was really anybody's game until he hit that tee shot. And then it was like, good night. Yeah, definitely. Well, dude, I'm stoked to see him win. I love seeing some of the younger guys win. It's the next generation of golf. And, uh, yeah, it brings more eyeballs to the game when people start dominating. And I think he can be that guy. So we'll see what he backs it up with. But moving on, the Wyndham Championship, Greensboro, North Carolina, my guy, Akshay Batia, he was on the podcast on Monday, is playing in it. He's the 18-year-old McKinsey tour player. Um, he's from North Carolina, but he's playing there. 
My buddy Scott Stallings is playing in it. Um, JT Poston is the defending champion, I believe. Yes. So what, yes. Do you, what do you think about the Wyndham? Um, interesting golf course, like shorter course, I believe, small yeah. greens. Like that's kind of typical Donald Ross's. His, his style seems to be more in the creativity of the golf course, like small undulating greens, interesting shots. And like generally that kind of golf course favors a shorter hitter. And if you look at kind of the years prior in terms of who's won, it's typically not a bomber that's walking away. Like Snedeker's won a couple of times there. Webb's obviously won there. I think Webb's the favorite te- technically heading into this week. So, you know, usually if, if Webb's the favorite, it's not really a bomber style course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, he's going to have his seven, six or seven um, <laughs> hybrids in the bag and he's, he's going to, Poke it around the course. <laughs> he hits it just kind of like everybody else does. Not a pro golfer, you know? But he just putts so well. That's the thing is that he is, he is so rock solid on the greens. And I, I think that that's what it's going to take. Like, it's going to take somebody who's just really, really sharp with their flat stick. And, you know, Sned's obviously a great putter as well. That's why he's won there a couple times. I don't know too much about JT Poston, but, you know, obviously must have had a really good putting week to win there. You always will when you have short, small greens with tons of break in them. Yeah. Well, JT's from up there. He's from um, Hickory, North Carolina, which is like like 30 to 45 minutes outside of Greensboro. So he's played, yeah. played that course a bunch. So it, it was basically a home game for him, a home course game for him. Um, nice. And I mean, Harold Warner's from up there too. So you got to think like those guys are the guys that are, they know the course. They know they know what to expect. They know what a Donald Ross course looks like in North Carolina, um, and uh, yeah, we'll see. And you know, on the topic of Webb, I saw that the feature about him and losing, basically not being able to putt for a mm-hmm. year and a half after they let or after they banned the um, yep the belly putter. Well, yeah, the, the yeah the anchored putter, the belly putter. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they banned that. He could like. His putting was worse than mine for a year and a half. Yeah. That's guys it. that had relied on that, you know, if you, if you had – generally, if, if you've gone to a, a long putter, belly putter, whatever the case was, sort of pre-rule change, you did that because you typically had putting issues. You know, there, there was a drastic reason why you wanted to try that. You know, you weren't, you weren't sinking 27 putts around and then making a switch into a long putter. Yeah. So he, he obviously had issues. Now, he's another guy that's kind of got a bit more of a – a non-traditional style putting grip and he's found something like obviously this would have taken a lot of experimentation to figure out what he can do to to lock the wrists in a little bit more and quieten hands and he's figured it out man he is so good on the greens yeah yeah he is so he's a guy to watch this week but let's get into it we don't have to spend too much time on the window but who are you who what are your picks for one and two this week my, my, my pick is Paul Casey. Okay. Right. I think he's got some fire, fire after last week. He seemed as though he had good control of his ball flight, good putter. And, uh, you know, he may not be who everybody's talking about right now, but I, he's my pick. And my, I have a sleeper, okay. a sleeper of Matthias Schwab. He's Don't coming over from, yeah, he's an Austrian guy, European tour guy. And I've seen him enough to know how straight he hits it and how good of a putter he can be. And so he'd be my sleeper. 
All right. So, yeah, Matias Schwab and Paul Casey for you. So I'm going with my guy, Scott Stallings. I yes. watched, when I played Kiowa with him, um, same, same green, same, like, grass and everything I think they have at the Wyndham. He kind of, like, messed around and was joking around and shot 62. And it was the most casual 62 I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> and he left four or five shots on the course and shot 62. Right. Like it was insane. So Scott, he's got his game together after losing all the weight, after getting, getting fit, getting right. I'm going with Scott Stallings to win the Wyndham and then sleeper pick. I just mentioned him. So he's not really a sleeper, but Harold Varner, the third. And very good is, uh, I mean, like I said, he's a local guy, but he's having an amazing year in like, in um, like strokes gain T to green. I was reading the stat that he's like, like inside the top ten or like four or five, right in the in the world and in strokes and tee to green. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's only had three missed cuts this whole time, like this whole year. So, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, he's impressive and and he's a fighter too. I'd love to see him pulling out. Yeah, and it's home state. Like he's from, um, God, where's he from? He's from like the mountains somewhere. Uh, God, they just talked about it on the the freaking golf channel but he's from up there he's from the upstate of north carolina so he's relatively yeah. local to that area too i know he has a he has a house here in wilmington but um yeah going scott stallings to win it my guy scott stallings and the sleeper pick is hv3 and those sick jordans he's always wearing <laughs> he's got quite the shoe collection <laughs> Dude, it's, uh, it's pretty sick but i wanted to do something new with the pot on the podcast with you and ask a, listener, a couple of listener questions. So as a professional golf coach, I'm working on a swing change. This is something that people asked on my Instagram. How do you embrace the suck of changing a swing for a long-term goal? Like, right, like you and I have talked about my swing. I come from over the top. I like swing all arms. There's really no lower body movement. And for the past four or five times I've been to the range and I've played, I've been worse right? Mm-hmm. So how do I over- overcome short-term being worse for a long-term my golf swing is going to be better and where I'm playing, I'm going to hit straighter, longer, better balls? I think that like what you started off with, with like embracing the suck, it's you got to take the approach of movements. And I put a rant on Instagram about this, this theme kind of a couple of days ago. Movements yeah. aren't easy to change. Like we, we learn movements and movements like once we start to establish them, this could be like anything signature, tie in a shoe, whatever the case is. We learn these movements, these movements really get harnessed into our brain. And that just sort of becomes a pattern that we just try to repeat. You know, the golf swing's complicated. So it's not something that we can repeat perfectly every time, but it's still a movement. So if we want to change it, we have to break it down and slow it down. Okay. okay? So like so- sometimes with people in terms of coaching, it's like, okay, you know, you just need to strengthen your grip a little bit and, and that's going to have a, a monumental effect. But sometimes it's like, okay, your backswing movement needs to physically change. Like, you know, in your case, like the backswing movement is something that needs to adjust. And therefore, like for you to be able to undergo that change, you just have to, I think the biggest thing for people is you have to have patience yeah. to put in the necessary reps. That's not my version. And like the thing is, is that most, most people will be like, okay, I got it. I know what you're saying. 
and then right away they'll start swinging at normal speed and they'll they'll sort of think okay if i have that thought that this guy just told me i'll be able to swing like he's just mentioned and it's like you could not be further from the truth you really do need to be able to slow it down you need to be able to break it up into pieces and you've got to go through the process and it, if you don't go through the process of, of doing those slow slow reps and checking it in the mirror and catching it on video and you just you won't change you'll, you'll kind of stick with what you've got forever yeah yeah that's one of the things that i'm doing right now like i can't swing a golf club because of my thumb the viewers that are seeing this will see that <laughs> i cut my thumb off right there oh. um just like that um so we can't swing swing a golf club full speed right now so i have a i think i have a seven iron just sitting here in my office and every time i have a little break in my day i'll get up and i'll take three or four really slow really controlled in plane swings right so i know exactly what i'm doing i need to get to the top i need to activate my hips and then drop the club bring the thing through bring the handle through and um yeah like you said just slow it down because i can't go to the range i could go to the range but I'd be hitting heel shanks or something. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is that sometimes when you're, when you're going through something new, you're embarking on a totally new pattern, and that new pattern, you probably don't quite have the coordination to start, like, flushing shots yet. Yeah. So you first, you, you know, you, you first need to master the movement itself, like how the golf club needs to travel, how the body needs to be coordinated. Then you can slowly start adding in a little bit of a divot, hitting the ground. And then you can maybe start by hitting a couple balls slowly off of a tee. And then you can hit it off the ground. And then it's like, and then after that, then you can start changing up your target lines and eventually you'll probably be able to transfer it to the course. But there really are steps. And you know, like you, you being, I, I got a, a great story for this that actually is really fitting because so that the second guy that qualified this week for the Wyndham, Jake Schumann, so Jake, Jake uh, fired a 66, a five under at the, the Monday. And I used to coach Jake when I lived in Orlando. And Jake broke his wrist as a probably like a 16-year-old or 17-year-old and wasn't able to play golf for like, I forget what it was, three, four months. But during that time where he couldn't play golf and he had a cast on his wrist, dude was just like working on reps, working on movements, just sort of like in the mirror. And, and sometimes injuries are a blessing because you can really train habits like that when you really go through that process. And I mean, Jake's a stud now, like had a great career at Duke and, and now playing some, he's working his way up through PJ Tour Canada, I believe right now, but a uh, great player. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you ever ask me on Instagram, slow down, go slow. Don't hit a golf ball. Just slow down your reps, slow down your swing and feel the swing change. That, and I'm a feel player anyway. It's like, you can tell me the position my body needs to be in and I have to go like feel it and then I can do it. Right. So that's just one of the, yep. no, for sure. So the next question, the final question is what's your favorite way to watch a golf tournament live at home with friends at a bar, etc. Personally. Yeah. Personally. Uh, definitely not live. Um, I agree. Live is good for other reasons. Live is good, you know, to chat with people. I typically end up don't watching much golf if I'm actually there live. Um, but yeah, you know what? Like we were just chatting a while ago. The the Sunday, this past Sunday, watching the the PGA 
actually as it was happening typically in dubai or wherever else the time zones are so mixed up so to be able to be watching it as it's happening was so nice and and i i love the experience and the coverage is so good too so for me it's a twofold answer if i can go to an event i love going to events but i'd rather go on like thursday friday follow some some of my friends follow some of the players that i like watching or like post up on a hole and watch like a fun hole or and, and, well and then saturday sunday watch it at home so because then you have a, a feel of the course and like i went to the northern trust last year when i was at liberty national and on um i was there thursday friday saturday thursday friday saturday i was at the course and it was awesome i got to see it i got to like follow Justin Rose. I got to do all the stuff that I wanted to do and see the course. And then on Sunday, I went home, flew home from New York and watched it on TV. And it was so cool to see it on TV and see it from that angle. Right. So yeah. having that knowledge and that, that, that like personal experience, I can say, Oh, I stood right behind this tee box and watched whoever like rip one down the middle or blow it into the Hudson river. Right. So I, if I had to only watch one one way, I'd probably choose watching it on TV just because the coverage is so good. Unless we're talking about the Masters and I'd rather go to the Masters. So for me, yes, it's, yes. It's, it depends on the tournament. It depends on like, am I able to go or not? If I had the opportunity to go and like, what, what's going on in my world? If I had to choose, probably be watching on TV, but there's more to that. There's more to that question yes. before digging into it. Absolutely. The atmosphere of a tour event and everything that goes on with it is, is special and it's fun to be there. But um, for pure absorbing kind of the play of, of what's going on, you got to watch it on TV. Exactly. Exactly. I heard there's a rumor that they are bringing the Wells Fargo back here to Wilmington in a couple of years. Um, oh. And at Eagle Point, which is across the street from my house. So I will most definitely be doing the first part of my answer there i'll be there thursday <laughs> yes Friday. exactly and watching watching home on sunday yeah very good call yep awesome cool well alex thank you so much thank you for coming back on the pod it's always a pleasure I, we, we're getting better at these things i think the tour talk uh, episodes are really gonna take off i like it i hope that everybody's enjoying it because it's a lot of fun chatting about the stuff yeah me too if you're enjoying it let us know leave a review and uh Find us on Instagram at Blair Wheeler at Riggs Golf. And yes, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week and go Stallings for me. And let's see if your boy, old Paul Casey, can pull it out for you today or this week. Exactly. Thanks again. Thanks, man. What are you doing? You're still here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Golf and Stuff podcast. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you listening. Please give it a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any uh, guests you want to hear from, send me a message on Instagram or other social media platforms. But for real, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you listening and look forward to the next episode.